and then to record it for all the world to hear about. Yeah. <laughs> so is that, unfortunately. Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Rutherman. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Kenny. And today we're going to be talking about Mirror's Edge, which was developed by EA Dice and published by Electronic Arts and was released in 2009 on uh, like the platforms at the time. You had your Xbox 360, PS3, and I think the PC port came a little bit later. Yeah. Um, out of curiosity, actually, before anything else, what platform did... Because I know you played it on Steam. Yes. I played it uh, on Steam with a 360 controller, and I feel like the controller specification is probably really relevant here. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I, I've, well, I've now played this game... Uh, this was the fourth time through the game for me, uh, and I played it initially on the 360, and then the last two times I played it were on the PC. Mm-hmm. Though, the the PC version I've had my ups and downs with. Yeah, are we can we get into the bitchiness of the port? I, I feel like I've got some. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I've never had to like restart my computer more times when attempting to play a video <laughs> game since like the, the mid 2000s. It was. Not it was not in a good way. I mean, the game was released in the mid two thousands, so. <laughs> but the port wasn't. The that's port true. was released in twenty eleven. Wow, that's so bad. Yeah, yeah, it's not. The port's not great, and now they even have like this mild like EA account integration thing that pops up, but you can dismiss and ignore. It's real weird, because uh, this game. I guess this game to to get into the the episode properly, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game's a first person platformer. Um, is certainly not a first person shooter. We know this for a fact after having playing it. I assume. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it plays so well on a console, and the PC port ends up being super bad. And the only reason they have that dumb. Uh, like, login thing, which EA just has to have attached to all of their games now, mm-hmm. uh, is so that you have access to, like, these time trial missions, which... Did anybody play the tri- time trial missions? Yes, and I kind of like them a lot. Oh, alright. Mm-hmm. Aren't they just, like, basic... Okay, because I played them on the 360, but not for very long because I hated doing it. Uh... <laughs> It seemed like a way to suck all of the fun out of everything in the whole world. Uh, but they were just like little segments of the main game repeated again, and you just had to get a good time. Uh, well, they were also, at least the ones that I played, were in abstract ghosty worlds, which was nice. They like all the primary color blocks and stuff. Yeah. And the thing that I actually liked about it was uh, a flashback from the days when I was a stupid child who enjoyed Mario Kart, uh, which is the ghost feature. You can can (laughs) load in other people's runs, and you can see both their physical form as they go through the routes and do all the cool jumps and their footsteps, and you can use either to track them and try and mimic them. And I found both running against my own ghost to try and improve the times a little bit, and more importantly, trying to learn from the awesome cool people a legitimately fun way to play the game. Sure. I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like the, this is a, it, it has a lot to do with perspective, because I find it difficult to, like... I found it hard to find the fun in doing the 
time trial modes. Like, after accomplishing... A, this is going to sound hypocritical, considering I've played the game multiple times. Mm-hmm. But, like, it does sound... Like, it seems difficult to me to enjoy playing the same segment repeatedly. That's why I do not speed like, run games. It's like they took the free out of the free running. <laughs> I got to push back on that freeness because it's actually the freeness of the mechanic set that's my favorite thing about the way that they often created the structure, the, the structure of the levels in Mirror's Edge. Generally, it's normally in in time trial games like that. Assuming you're informed enough, you already know exactly the thing that you need to do, and you just have to iterate on it perfectly. Right. The reason why I liked seeing like the time trial ghost of the super good people was so that I could I would always learn something like they didn't they weren't just doing what I was already trying to do at least very specifically better they like did a jump that I didn't know was physically possible right or would do a bunch of like back kicks and wall run nonsense that I hadn't considered before the thing that I enjoyed about the time trials was that you had a set goal and certainly by any normal definition, a linear path to get there, but the mechanics are fluid enough and have enough variability in how you can interact with the literal just like blocks in space right. that you could actually try different approaches to go faster. It, was, it felt freeing to me both here and in the main game where I felt like there were things that I could do to do better that weren't just like press Y at the correct time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, though I feel like the... Like, you have the benefit of being able to repeat segments in order to discover what those new interesting ways to get from point A to point B are. I just feel like, generally speaking, I feel more rewarded when I've just come up with it or it's just kind of happened as a result of my internalization of the controls. Yes. So And, that, and that's why I do think, between the two... Though a well-developed single-player level is still more fun, right. for me included, than the time trial levels. Uh, especially since you have to start making the connections in the main game of what the route you're supposed to take even is. Yeah. Level design in this struck a really great balance between trying to make what you're looking at seem like a believable space while also making it like a game design playground. Uh, as like an example of like a far extreme at one end of that not being balanced are like a lot of the new maps in Splatoon 2 where like they no longer we talked a little bit in that episode about how they in, in order to make them more fun like FPS levels they made them worse looking right right they just made them less believable versions of like a shopping mall it's in Mirror's Edge it really just looks like you're on a rooftop with like rooftop accessories scattered about but possibly too many rooftop accessories if you stop to think about it but I think that the assumption in Mirror's Edge is that you'll never stop for anything so <laughs> yeah i i thought the level design was all around like pretty good but i felt like it was lacking a bit in a few areas like i don't know how much better you could feasibly do it but i found like i kept repeatedly running into situations not super often but where i would get like lost and have to like run around and like look for what to do yeah did you use the hint button ever I, I tried not to because usually when I'm given a hint option, I don't want to use it mm-hmm. because, you know, human nature. Right. Uh, but um, I would if I needed it. It yeah. feels like you're play- if you use it, like, I think the game maybe wants you to. It's like 
every time you're running along, you just kind of like hit it to like reorient to like where's the goal at now relevant to me. Right. And if you play it that way, it feels like you're like using a crutch the whole time. Mm -hmm. I feel like. Or in a certain sense, it's this game. Considering how important a flow state is to everything that you do, I kind of wish they wouldn't have even. I wish they wouldn't have even presented the hint button to you as if it as like a hint button. Literally, I wish they would have couched it in some kind of language that made it feel like like the make it part of like the not hunter's vision. God, the runner's, runner's vision. vision runner's vision, yeah. Like make it part of the feature where like certain stuff gets read and like you can like instead of making things get read automatically, you can like press that button to reorient your vision and make the correct things read. Right. And, and in most games, I wouldn't be on board with that because in a lot of things like in three D open world games. Going the, through the exploration yourself is the fun part. Having too much of a crowded mini-map turns things into just moving from point A to point B. But, like, making moving from point A to point B in as straight a line as you can make it is the fun thing about Mirror's Edge. Right. And I would... And, and everything in the game's mechanics set seems to really... Well, not, not literally everything else we'll see, but all the good things in its mechanics set uh, wants it to be about you maintaining a flow state. So I wish that the game would have presented that option to you in a way you, where you were just accepting it as like, this is a thing that allows me to keep running instead of right. a thing that makes me a baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, uh, That's a good way to put it. <laughs> the, uh, it. Which speaks, I think, the two things that the game... Uh, the, the, the two times when the game is not at its best are, one, if you don't know where you're going because it takes the flow out and makes you stop and have to like look around... Mm -hmm. And also things that are repetitive, um, which just kind of like makes it less fun generally. Mm -hmm. uh, I hate the sewer level because it's just like running over those platforms eight times consecutively. Yeah. Uh, and I think the runner vision was such a... Like, it seems like it would be a good idea conceptually. Like, they try and put it in as like almost kind of an in-universe thing, though obviously it makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like it's supposed to be subtle enough that it's directing you where to go without uh, like putting up a, a like a tra semi-transparent flagpole somewhere yeah. uh, which are just like other strategies that people use to try and guide people around in like a semi-open world game which this really isn't it's more of a linear track I just think so many games have done does like level design better to guide you that they could have just made it an in-universe thing that would naturally guide the player's vision without having to like make things blink red and mm. i feel like the speed that you're going kind of necessitates it right like, i feel like it would be incredibly difficult if not impossible to design one of these levels in a way that would guide the player without the red, like, art assets. And they worked really hard aesthetically to try and make a lot of the things that would normally take up space in a UI seem like really pretty natural features of the environment. Like, at, at the very least, I can appreciate the amount of work that they did to try and make some objects turn red when they're close enough to you right. seem like you said, like, almost like a real thing. Like, it's so natural in the setting that you assumed it might literally just exist. Right. Uh, but 
Yeah, there is definitely too many times, a lot in the indoor sections where the game tries to treat itself like a puzzle platformer instead of just a platformer. Right. Uh, where it's, it's bogged down by the fact that you're just constantly under a hail of bullets. Yeah. 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 And like, oh, let me solve this puzzle real quick. Just like, <laughs> like you're just people with machine guns standing up on platforms gunning you down while you're trying to solve a puzzle. Interestingly, uh, in relation to the, what we're talking about now and before, uh, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, the sequel that they released, uh, not sequel, it's, a, it's some weird thing, it's like a reboot or something. I mean, I you know, can call unclear. it whatever you want, it was just, it was their open world, like, response to this game. Right. Uh, where they, when they did that, in order to try and compensate, uh, because they apparently had so much trouble trying to translate the fun, linear environments. Uh, that they just said, ah, oh, fuck it, and released the game. <laughs> 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 You're in a mean mood today, I, Jeff, yeah, yeah. I actually had no idea it was an open world game. It, it, it's like semi-kind of no, open that world. That seems like such a misguided decision like <laughs> that it's not even funny. Uh, they ended up having to compensate so hard uh, that the runner's vision uh, in Catalyst just became a red arrow on the ground. That, oh, you know, no. that like fall like granted it's not literally like a like a, a big blocky arrow that like moves like a compass it's an arrow that like gets painted on shit right. but it still takes away some of the things that were the most enjoyable parts of me playing this game yeah. and removes all the cool subtle work that they did to make the runner's vision in this game something that I thought was subtle and enjoyable right yeah and the other thing with Catalyst which uh, I imagine we probably won't talk much more on because I don't know if any of us have actually played the thing no. is that the way that they structured their like uh, their open world was it was like an open world hub that you would go to places and then they would give you linear missions yeah. uh, which makes me think like why not just make it linear missions from the beginning well I actually kind of like the idea of doing a hub but like not an open world one <laughs> one that was smaller and tightly designed and didn't need dumb arrows yeah I think they just wanted you <laughs> like, to that have could be like cool. it's like a f- cool playground to run around right yeah missions that would be sweet because the fun part of I Mirror's think, Edge that I don't think that DICE even understands is just in the movement mechanics like it is purely a movement based game and they just seemed so often like they wanted to stop that from happening. Not to be the asshole person, but how much do you think it was DICE and how much do you think it was uh, EA wanting any way to market this game in a way that made sense? Mm, Here's the thing. I don't think that anyone at... I don't think that a publisher would be given enough... I mean, albeit DICE is EA's company. So like EA and DICE probably had more of a like cooperative uh, development process on this than like most developer publishers that we could name. Yeah. Uh, however, I feel like no one who wasn't on the design team like snuck into the building at night and was like, uh, put in 30 more guys. Like, 30 <laughs> more guys with guns here, 20 more over there. I don't want the player to be able to hear anything but gunshots <laughs> for 12 hours. Yeah. It seems like, and I've obviously never worked in the video game industry, right? but it does seem like AAA games a lot of the time to like feel in the need or maybe there's some kind of like publisher demands that they need to just like put in more content. Sure. And uh, this being a AAA title, like probably saw some, like couldn't just be... 
like the indie game version of this where it's like completely focused on the movement like they had to incorporate some other stuff and frankly there can only be so many explanations for why like an ea published like major press game got released in 2009 with shooting mechanics that didn't have like any aim down sights or any like accuracy increasing thing right well there is a a sniper rifle with a scope Uh, Also, I do want to get across, uh, because my biggest complaint with this game is uh, the combat mechanics, uh, and by that I mean the existence of combat mechanics in this game at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I love this game, like, (laughs) I should come up front with that. Like, all of this is sort of, like, it's almost nostalgic, I'd be at 2009 wasn't that long ago. Yeah. I just remember playing a lot of this when it came out. Like, I did the two playthroughs pretty much back-to-back um, and really enjoyed it. But replaying it now, like, the amount of of just, like, stuff that nowadays, when I look at it, I go, like, ooh, I don't know about all that, uh, was a little bit more glaring. Yeah. It, it would have been cool to see, like, instead of straight-up combat, like some pseudo combat options uh and this is me just spitballing here but yeah. like things like doing like the slide and then like kicking a dude and like or having like a sucker punch thing or like you know how like you bust the doors open where you could like right. push people out of the way or even like a like you pop them and then you catch their gun in like super hot so just like throw it at them you know like yeah. cool things like that that you could do that would be really stylish and like you could keep your momentum yeah something with an automatic animation that doesn't stop you from moving right, like, like tackle a dude catch his gun throw it at another guy and keep running mm-hmm. like that would be sweet and the key element to that i think the thing that makes that would make that sweet like you pointed out is keeping the momentum and the easiest way you could have designed even like the shitty combat style that exists in this game to still allow that to happen would be to never create a circumstance where the enemies you face require like one more instance of damage to take out of the fight like right. the thing that allows you to would allow you to keep the momentum is keeping you from stopping to engage with someone right because that's often what happens is you'll do a slide kick and then you'll stand up and like punch a guy two times and then you'll have to leave and you're <laughs> not moving anymore if you, if you just did the slide kick and he's just now on the ground and you can just keep going that would be and awesome they can't catch you because you're an awesome free runner and he's a cop exactly <laughs> yeah and, and that, then and then even adds tension to the parts of the game where they introduce the awesome free-running cops. Yeah. Which currently are just, like, nothing. Like, they're just a, a like, a time limit on the level. That's all they, they functionally are. Yeah, removing the gun, removing any, anything that is shooting, like they eventually did in Catalyst, mm-hmm. and, uh, making them the, the guards you know pushovers in comparison to your awesome coolness mm-hmm. uh would have really gone a long way to making even something very close to the combat that exists in this game right now something like that i would actively love especially if you would if you could never do anything lethally or never actually knock anyone permanently unconscious because then that's even more incentive to keep moving because now if all you can do is like knock a guy to a ground for three seconds yeah then you can't be around in that area anymore it's another incentive to push you forward right which is what they introduced that, like, mechanic, like, the idea of people with guns at all is just there to keep you moving. Because so many of the levels are focused on you escaping from things. Yeah. Uh, it's like the, every level of this game is the last level of a Metroid game. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it ended up feeling kind of unintuitive to me the way that, like, the shooting uh, enemies are implemented. Because... 
after like like the first like half of the game, I played through it like completely trying to avoid combat and just like run away from people because right. like I thought that's like what the game would want you to like was designed for like yeah. for you to be a designed experience, and then like was really surprised once like I didn't know you could like just pick a dude's gun up off the ground. Like, I didn't realize that. Like, I thought in the tutorial they just show you, like... Disarming. Disarming people. And I thought it was like... I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> that makes sense for this game. Yeah. Not, like, disarm them, pick up their gun, and shoot them to death. That right. Especially since they go into it, like, at the very beginning about how runners are just messengers. Right. And it's like, don't shoot the messenger. The messenger will shoot you. you. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, I was really, really surprised as I got later into the game, and, like, it seemed to be way more emphasized than I ever would have guessed. God, that, like, that boss fight thing? Oh, my God. With With the chick in the, in, like, the hockey mask or whatever she's wearing? Yeah. Yeah. It felt like a worse version of the final boss fight from Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. That gave me, like, uh, flashbacks to playing uh, Human Revolution. Where I was like, why are there boss fights in this game? Like, yeah. why is the boss fight not just run somewhere? Yeah. But real cool. Yeah, dude, like it's a, really hard to run. Yeah, like a set piece running place. Like, yeah. that's what I need. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you brought up Metroid, like an escape from a collapsing building kind of a thing. Right. And they could have... Which would be sweet. The last mission in the game, like proper mission, involves you scaling a tower, firing a sniper rifle at a truck... And then, inexplicably, running down a staircase full of people with machine guns. <laughs> like, just make the... The tower's under construction. Like, just make them, like, shoot a rocket launcher at it. And be like, now it's falling. Get out. And don't have, like, a bunch of just people shooting. Right. You. Yeah. And you do the helicopter jump from the yeah. first game. From the first part of the game. Yeah. It's... I don't... I don't know. It's weird. I'm sorry, Chad. I, I just love the running so much. It's so good. <laughs> and they make it so hard to engage with it. Yeah. Like, they kind of tried to do, like, a, a, a running-themed boss fight uh, with the room with all the machine gun dudes where you had to run around and have them shoot the computer cores or whatever the fuck they are. Yeah, like the, the, hard the servers yeah, or the something. Servers, yeah, That's kind of like a... This game's version of, like, a boss fight that incorporates the free-running. But it doesn't involve, like, any actual parkour. It's mostly just grounded, like, dodging. Right, yeah, and just, like, avoiding the gunmen. <laughs> Which, I'm not even 100% sure. Like, I feel as though in this game, at least on, like, the normal difficulty, if you just hold the control stick, like, as long as it's registering an input, I don't know that things can hit you. Like, I don't know if bullets will, will hit I, I think they move. can. Yeah, I've, I've died running away. Because like, I, I did the same thing Andy did, you know? Considering the incentives in the game thematically, I was like, well, I don't care about this cop man. Like, he's doing yeah, yeah. his job. I'm doing mine, and I'm going to run right past him. Uh, but no, he shot me in the back several times. Uh. Dead. <laughs> There's that mission where you're, like, running through, I don't even know what it is, some kind of, like, a, like a trench... And like a dude is shooting at oh, you. Oh yeah, and like, the yeah, snipers he's, he's shooting the crap out of you while you're running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I, obviously, you can be shot while moving, but like they frequently will just put like 
It, it doesn't seem like the bullets even have like an origin point a lot of the times. <laughs> You'll just be sort of running and there'll just be bullets flying off of every object on the screen. Well, it's because, A, it's a first-person game, which means your vision is already limited to what's in front of you. Right. And, B, it's a game about running away from shit, which means the things that's shooting at you are, like, <laughs> only you. 15% yeah. of the time going to be in front of yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you probably, like... Maybe noticed one guy shooting, and there's probably like four more you didn't yeah. even see. Just like four hundred <laughs> of them, like yeah. crouched down behind a, a piece of cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm going to say something that's probably going to make both of you guys sigh or laugh because it is very much a thing that I would suggest or want out of a video game. I would prepare to sigh or laugh, but those are so different that I'm not sure how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> You, you need to take the breath in either way, so sure. Uh, I wish that this game had leaned into its visual aesthetic way harder and that everyone was instead just free-running through, like, uh, a cyberpunk space world. Like, I wish you were running, like, in, like, a Matrix place. I want that, too. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I think that that is also a good idea. All the parts of this game where they tried to convince you that you were in a real place kind of didn't work. They were they get, had good representations of rooftops insofar as it didn't make it obvious that you were in a game space and instead made it obvious that you were in a location. Mm-hmm. But that location being believably like a city full of people and a dystopian government kind of just never registered. Like you, I just engaged with the game on a mechanical level, a very good mechanical level. Right. Uh, but ended up not yeah i think that's the kind of the key is that it is kind of like this weird like corporate like vision of the future but like the set like that's never really brought up like for all you know this isn't even supposed to be the future (laughs) you know like um, the implication that i got from the narrative of this game was basically that it was like on the brink of being like dystopian Mm -hmm. uh like late stage capitalism but i think that the uh, I think that its ambitions were probably greater than its execution, or they didn't have ambitions and they just kind of like picked individual words out of 1984 <laughs> and put them on yeah, the page. It needs that kind of like sci-fi hook, like like that the runners are doing something like there's like a reason for their existence and like this weird future culture they have. You yeah. know what I mean? For why like parkour delivery has to be the predominant yeah. method of delivery. <laughs> It does. It it doesn't have that. But yeah, right. there was there were so little times where I, f- because the game does such a bad job making you feel like you're in the kind of dystopian setting that I think it wants you to feel like you're in. Mm. Uh, I ended up feeling bad for the cops, which is why I brought this up in the first place. <laughs> yeah, because they have all these. Because I almost. I stopped engaging with the cops as people and started engaging them as like video game enemies. To the point where I was like, oh, I don't want to. You know, like, beat, beat the shit out of these people. That, like, they seemed almost cute to me in a way that's hard for me to describe. It's because the, the regular-ass cops are super incompetent. Like, <laughs> yeah. they're so easy to just, like, beat the crap out of. <laughs> yeah, like, the, the ones way. with, like, the riot helmets <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah, you just kind of, like... Well, it, my first playthrough of this game, uh, I did the Test of Faith achievement, which is where you don't use a gun the whole run-through. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, it, it descended into absurdity immediately because every single enemy that posed even a modicum of a threat i just kicked in the dick 
Like, every enemy got kicked in the balls, and it happened so often that it was like, who would do this like, as a person? Why is this your go-to move? Because they made it hilariously effective. You never have to use a gun as long as you're on point with the slide kick. I feel like your complaint there is more with how God designed man in his image instead of anything else. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's the fact that the designers... Like, no other game that I can tell, except I remember there was, like, an FPS from a while ago that this was sort of, like, a joke in... But that was an obvious intentional joke. Duke Nukem? It wasn't Duke Nukem. I forget the name of it. I just remember it being a thing. Okay. Um, I'll look it up and maybe explain it to you later. Um, but I've never played a game with the most, like, easy point. Like, most repeatable, simple, and effective strategy was to kick a dude in the ball. <laughs> like, 100% of the time, there are no circumstances ever where not kicking someone in the, ball, in the balls is easier than kicking someone in the balls. I need to emphasize this strongly. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah. And then, if you chain the kick right into a punch, he also punches them in the dick. Too. That's, that's like, true, yeah. <laughs> it's the double whammy. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and it's not even, like, gender-based either, <laughs> honestly. Because, like, female enemies, is it's also most effective to kick them in, 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 the, in the crutch. Yeah, you yes. know, It's just weird, I'm sorry. <laughs> So yeah, I never engaged with the police as human beings because that would like just hurt too. Much. That would destroy you psychically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have too much empathy for that. This was like a weird reverse version of Spec Ops. Then it's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no, don't think about it too much. Exactly, crotch yeah. kicking simulator. Yeah, yeah basically free running and crotch kicking the two. Uh, pillars of Mirror's Edge. <laughs> There's a secret ending where if you manage to never actually, like, touch any... No, if you never touch a gun even more, then you already never have to touch a gun. But then you'll go in front of a screen and, like, some omniscient science man will show you, like, all the genitalia you've destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like the, like the, it's just the sorrow from Metal Gear Solid 3. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just, like, a bunch of dudes. Like, walking like, around. Yeah. With, like, x-rays and shit. It'd be really good. Yeah. Now, the the secret ending is the uh, the helicopter that you swing into at the end has like a pair of truck nuts on it. <laughs> you have to kick them. And you kick them and it throws the helicopter <laughs> out of alignment. <laughs> what, it, what, what it's missing is like your Otacon guy like coming on your uh, your your mic and telling you like the most effective way to, to deal with the cops is to kick them in the balls. balls. It's the runner's secret move. It's, it's like a sh- it's like a shortcut to, to victory. victory. <laughs> this conversation has gone on far too long. Uh, <laughs> Are there any non-testicle related uh, elements? God, how really? long have we even been recording? Oh, not long enough to get off on that tangent. Oh that's no! For sure. Oh no! Uh, the, I wanted to ask if you had other things uh, to say about the combat in the game specifically. This is this game is like a purely mechanical experience for the most part. Yeah, uh, and we'll get into why that is uh, a little bit later. Um, but because we're already talking about the combat, like uh, 
if there's any other like poorly developed combat <laughs> you want to kind of point out, uh, maybe even some well designed stuff. I had some issues with the camera control, and I don't know if it's just the PC port or the setup that we were using. Right. But uh, it, it, I don't know if I just needed to adjust the settings more or you know fuck around with them. But no matter what I did to the sensitivity, it just like would only like turn like oh so much to like certain like points and like it wouldn't just like freely move like a regular camera it was like the weirdest thing and made combat even worse i'm so sorry yeah <laughs> like i couldn't like basically just like couldn't punch a dude if he like changed his trajectory at all yeah he was 90 <laughs> degrees to your right just yeah. like unavailable to you mm-hmm. i'm not really sure as you know uh so I had the weirdest experience that anyone could possibly have with Mirror's Edge uh, on my fourth playthrough of it, which is I played through the game up until, uh, like, the seventh chapter, I think is where I stopped on this playthrough. I wanted to get a jump start uh, on other things. Uh, but I played through the first seven chapters of this game with uh, gyroscope controls. <laughs> so this playthrough isn't, like, super indicative of, like, the intended experience. <laughs> but I thought I would have some fun since I'd already played the game so many times already. Mm-hmm. How was it, Chad? It was actually great. Like, it was super nice uh, with the gyro controls. I also played some with the gyro controls. Can I play with the... Can we, like, stop recording this podcast so I can... Because that sounds so fun, actually. Yeah, it's it's pretty amusing. Uh, we can boot it up on the break if you okay. want. And you can re- report... Fair. Back. Report. Report. <laughs> Is there a, like a Mirror's Edge VR vomit profusely experience? Oh yeah, that sounds like it would be motion sickness incarnate, yeah, so yeah. I don't know if that's a thing. Damn. The power of the vomit dot is not enough to save us. <laughs> I'm sorry, the, oh, right, like the... Yeah. I forgot that was a thing they did. Oh, yeah, it was a nice history. You know the, 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 the dot, the vomit dot, I'm Andy? not aware of the vomit dot. Do you know the little dot in the middle of the screen that shows you, frankly... In this game? Yeah, in, in Mirror's Edge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the cursor or that, whatever that didn't that wasn't originally there, mm. uh, and when it wasn't there, oh boy, <laughs> huh? Yes, I remember because uh, when we played uh, the Talos Principle, that game gave me motion sickness. Like yeah. games usually don't get to me. Like I, I get motion sickness pretty bad, but games usually don't affect me at all. And that one just, like, made me queasy. Like, I'd play it for an hour and I'd be like, okay, <laughs> uh, that's enough. Yeah. But, like, there's they have, like, some settings uh, in that game that I turned on that made it go away. But I don't remember there being a reticle involved. <laughs> but, yeah, I was fine on this game as well. Yep. So, it must have worked. Yeah. Need a the dead. vomit dot. Uh, you know what didn't Trademark. work? In relation to the, the combat things you wanted to specifically ask me about... Why are the windows to try and counter things so small? The, oh, yeah, I don't know. I never really did it. Yeah, to you be fair. just kick people in the balls. Yeah, you, think you have to use the slow motion if you want to, like... Yeah. Yeah, because I, as I've discussed in the podcast before, when I, back in the 360 era, I was the kind of person who tried to, like, 100% get all achievements in games, um... And in Mirror's Edge, when I played it through for the first time, I was like, well, I'll play it on the easier difficulty, the normal difficulty, in order to get the Test of Faith achievement, and then I'll use guns on the hard playthrough. I didn't use guns on the hard playthrough. Using guns is way harder than not using guns, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, except for in like those 
certain situations, like, with the snipers and stuff. Like, yeah, you can't physically reach people. Yeah, because on hard, it's, like, they just murder you instantaneously. And I'm like, well, thanks. Cool. Yeah. It's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're on a, in a, have been in a, like, long-term abusive relationship with, with Mirror's Edge. <laughs> I mean, kind of. I don't know. I don't remember having, like, any bad thoughts about the game when I played it initially, and it was only when I returned to it that I was like, some of this is bad. Guns <laughs> are bad. I vote for gun control in video games. <laughs> now, they don't really feel... they. It's weird, like, how like big of a role they can play in the game mm -hmm. like they feel underdeveloped for that you know what i mean like mechanically well they want them to feel bad because they're inaccurate see you, i feel like you slow down and can't do right. some actions while you have them it seems like that's the original intention and then they like backpedaled on it and they're like we need to put more gun stuff in the game uh, yeah <laughs> no because there's like i might be off base but it kind of feels like that to me i like the impression as well considering in a game that's about parkour there are like seven gun varieties mm -hmm. which is a weird number like that's a really high number for a game where that is not the core engagement yeah like the my absolute least favorite level of this game is the one where you have to like go down the tower with mm -hmm. all the people shooting at you. It's super lame because like I tried just like running and avoiding them like many a time, and it was just not possible for me. Right. So I had to like just shoot them all, and it was really slow and boring. Yeah, and hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, because those are the two options. You either do the insanely difficult version, where you try to dodge bullets from like 17 enemies, or you do the slow, tedious, not fun version, where you kill each one of them methodically. Yep. And that's I think that's why this that was just a bad decision to put into the game. I did like to, to to give guns the one positive quality that I ascribed to them in Mirror's Edge's design. I liked how they sometimes in a lot of the earlier levels got used as a way as actually a motion tool in which since you could shoot out glass in between locations, it felt cool and thematic for me to like steal a gun from someone with a counter move and then like run away and like shoot myself a new exit out of the situation. Sure. And then like throw the gun away and keep going. But in most circumstances you can also just punch the glass. And really? it breaks as well. Yeah, yeah, you can also just jump at it and like do a tackle and break through it. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Slightly more dangerous because then you're just like already falling when you right, come out yeah. the window. It's but not, there's yeah, some, not every game. Yeah, or... but there are great situations where you can like do a dive out the window and it's pretty dope. But that sounds so painful if you get like glass in your flesh. Uh, I I think the idea is that like the runners like have like know how to break through it without getting hurt, which I'm sure there's a, you can you can do that. You're sure? Probably. It depends on the kind of glass, I think. True. There's glass that's, like, intentionally made to not injure people. I just don't want to, you know, lacerate her flesh. That's fair. But I, I, think, I think most, like, corporately used glass is the kind that shatters into... This is such a weird thing to get on. <laughs> uh, it shatters like a windshield. It, well, yeah, it shatters into beads instead mm -hmm. of into shards. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a, it breaks completely as opposed to in pieces. Yeah. I had a piece of that bead glass in me for a month at one point. Wow, just like sucking on it? Just kind of like... What? Like a... Not, no. Like an oral fixation? For a month, not in my mouth. Oh. 
Just like embedded in you? Correct. Oh, interesting. Car accidents. Oh, right. Yep. Cars. I always forget about this. <laughs> Uh, I think we're going completely insane, so mm-hmm. let's take a break. Right. And when we come back, we'll get into the movement mechanics and why the story in this game is bad. Car accidents hurt. We would be colder, which is nice. Well, I, I think it's okay. Yeah, but... Not for long. Because things are heating up here at the, the Noclip Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back. So, uh, what we just made JJ experience a few minutes ago mm-hmm. uh, was the way that I just recently played the game uh, with the gyroscope controls and the steam controller. Uh, but me doing that was just a way to sort of introduce a fresh new spin on what are already, like, some like very enjoyable and fluid movement controls. Uh, in a game, generally, I think. Having generalized uh, up motion and down motion buttons is so good. Yeah. Oh, man. And I'm so happy they didn't make the mistake of mapping it to the separate triggers so that you get all confused and backward all the time and instead right. just made it the bumper, even though it's a little bit harder, harder to hit the button that way. It, it maps perfectly. It's exactly what I want in a game like this. Oh, bless their heart. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a, uh, I feel like there's been a trend recently of uh, games sort of realizing that the triggers are actually kind of more useful than face buttons in a lot of games, mm-hmm. uh, particularly for actions that you perform repeatedly. And I think that uh, like between, because this came out in two thousand nine, so between like Mirror's Edge and Demon Souls and things like that, that sort of like adopted the trigger style that FPS has been using for since they've existed on console. Uh, we've kind of seen that like trigger control scheme more like readily adopted. I think this game just does it probably better than most uh, because of the sort of uh, like intuitive way that they map uh, like the, the upward and downward movement. Uh, you discussing how much better triggers are than face buttons reminded me of a long dead video game peripheral that my brain wants to say is made by Razer, but I bet that's a lie, and I bet it was made by some other totally cool and hip company. Uh, like Mad Cats? No, no, like Mad Cats, but for elite people who think Mad Cats is part of the globalist agenda. Like that kind of, <laughs> that demographic. Uh, oh, like the, the fucking like gun peripheral that gives you recoil when you shoot. Precisely, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this was a peripheral... For only the most elite of people who wanted the like the best and quickest feedback to their face button presses, and it was a fucking spider attachment that you put on like the 360 controller, where it had things that went over top of the four face buttons, but it spread them out into two like mechanical arms that went over the controller left and right, and turned them into like weird spindly triggers that you hit with your other two fingers on both hands. 
so that you would have like the essentially six triggers and no face buttons instead. Who would learn to <laughs> to use that ever? People who wanted to, to make the most of their gaming skills. Are Come you on. sure this wasn't like an accessibility thing for people without thumbs? I mean, it could have also been that, but I know it was marketed for cool elite gamer people. So what it might have actually been was a thing created for accessibility for people without thumbs, uh, but they made way too many of them because they overestimated the number of thumbless people. I feel like it seems extra weird because it's a peripheral and not just a third-party controller. Yeah. Like, I feel like attaching a weird thing that did that to a controller would be, like, super bulky and weird. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> like how you will, if you, like, put yourself in the shoes of, like, a kid going into a store, you're far more likely to purchase, like, a new third-party controller than you are to purchase some kind of, like, bizarro world spider attachment for yeah. your controller. I would be interested to try that, though. Like, a controller that's just six triggers instead of face buttons. Yeah, I'm all about, like, some wacky controller setups for novelty purposes. And it's especially great because it's a plastic thing, which means that you can just, like, rip it off and put it in the garbage if it's there. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to having this whole controller. But anyway, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna keep Mirror's googling. Edge. I'm gonna keep googling that while we're talking about relevant things. Right. Uh, it was turning out to be really hard to find, and face button spider 360 was not enough to get me there. So, <laughs> so what do you think of the difficulty curve of the game? I don't think that I'm going to be able to give, like, a, like, actual well-thought-out and well-founded opinion on that, mm -hmm. because I remember the game being super easy when I played it the first time, but when I played it the first time, I was, like, I was at, like, peak video game playing age. I was 17, I, like, had a part-time job and probably played it over the summer where all I did was play games. So, like, I remember getting through the game without, like, almost any issue uh, when I first played it. Uh, where did you perceive the uptick to be? Well, I thought at first it was, like, really hard. Like, it, it didn't click with me uh, in the beginning, and I felt like uh, there was, like, a pretty steep learning curve. And then they kept, like, I thought this the curve was too steep, and then they kept like making it harder and harder, and I never quite felt like I caught up to where the game wanted me to be. Hmm. Might have been due to those camera controls, but uh... <laughs> true. I feel like I felt like the um, the game should have been a bit longer and had a, a slightly more gradual curve. The curve would have been way better for me if I never had to ever jump and grab zip lines or poles or anything. That's really weird to me that you had trouble with the zip lines. Yes. I had strange trouble with very specific things. And if I understand correctly, because I this is a very old game and many people have tried it right now by now by reputation. I know a lot of people who have like weird problems with like one specific type of action in this game. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, for you I know it was the uh, the the jump turn jump. Oh yeah, the wall the wall jump. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that just like seemed to just to want to not work for me like 40% of the time like <laughs> Yeah, I didn't have... I always, like many games like this that are trying to market itself, 
as you know, like skill-based coolness experiences. Uh, I liked the mechanic set enough that I was willing to give it the benefit of the doubt that I was just being a stupid person, and that uh, comes from years of me training against other platformers where I assume that the reason I can't do this really basic thing is because I'm bad and wrong. Mm. I really internalize all of that blame <laughs> instead of you know putting it on the difficulty curve of the game mm -hmm. uh, because I don't want people to keep telling me how you know I'm bad for being bad at Mario. I really keep that deep inside. <laughs> <laughs> and so I never even considered that it might have been something weird with the game, especially since I know that this game took so much time. And certainly when you play it, you know, it must have like a million of those little tiny game feel tweaks that people make. Mm -hmm. There's like so many different knobs and things that you would have had to fidget to make the running in this thing feel as real as it is. Like even something as tiny as like the head bobs when you're building up speed. Mm -hmm. It just feels differently in this game to move fast than when you're just starting to move. Mm -hmm. uh, and so... The few times that it stuck out, I was just willing to give the game the benefit of the doubt. And any time when the difficulty curve shut up because I was getting shot at or something, mm -hmm. I just yeah, I, you know, <laughs> the, that would those scenes were already a problem before that point. So right, yeah, I think because uh, I don't I don't I don't think there was like a specific mechanic or anything that I had trouble with, um, and I felt like the difficulty curve generally. Seemed. I mean, it kind of goes in and out uh, because they're trying to build like a narrative pace, or at the very least, like just a tonal pace uh, from one scene to another. Because there will be all those scenes. Like the the most prevalent scene in Mirror's Edge is you running while a bunch of people shoot at you, mm -hmm. but they intersperse into that scenes like uh, like a quiet scene of you in like a building with kind of oddly colored lighting doing like a particular platforming challenge and i i thought that uh the parts where you were being shot at were for obvious reasons the ones that were more challenging most of the time but i felt that most of the times when i was losing in those situations it was more it was way more frustrating than if i had just like missed a jump somewhere mm -hmm. And even when you do miss a jump, I love their decision to uh, have the camera follow you all the way to the street. Mm -hmm. Like, that's such a good, like, like it helps build the feeling of tension in the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's like, um, like Samus dying and you, like, her armor falling off. Like, it's that little punch that makes the death feel more significant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even though the checkpoint system in this game is, like, about as forgiving as it could be. Mm -hmm. Like, before you it, before you would ever press the left bumper, it pretty much checkpoints. It's like, yeah, just if you're going to jump, you're going to just start over at the beginning of this jump. I did feel a little bit like on some of the earlier levels of the game where I had to do pole-based things mostly. Yeah. Uh, like... The addition of that scene, which did provide, like, notable weight to goings-on and made it, like you said, feel like your deaths mattered individually. Mm -hmm. and once you see that scene, like, four times in a row, I began, I began having, like, nightmare headstone feelings about the whole situation. <laughs> it's like, just, this is taking too long. I just kind of wish that I could just try the jump, like, six times in a row, like Super Meat Boy, and get through it. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like... 
I don't know. Maybe I just had a generally easier time with this game than either of you did. It will happen when you play it four times and are so confident that you turn on motion controls. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's kind of a fair point that I didn't really consider. Uh, because, yeah, this is not a game that I, I ever really perceived as having, uh, like, spikes in it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Man, now I really want to go back to old games and find a way to, like, program, like, Wii Remote functionality in them for bragging <laughs> rights. Oh, God. So I can be like, oh, man, I t- totally beat Metroid Fusion with a Wiimote. <laughs> yeah. with, like, waggle controls. <laughs> uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but what, did, what was your opinion on, like, the slow motion? Did you use it ever? When you tri- when I was watching you play and you triggered it for the first time, that is when I remembered it was in the game. <laughs> like I literally never used it. I think over four playthroughs. Mm. Like I just didn't know that button did things. I have weird, conflicted feelings about the slow motion in this game. It's obviously going f- for the John Woo shit, right? I don't think so. Realistic because it's not there to accent a cool thing. It's there specifically to make one action easier, and that one action is trying to disarm people, right? Because otherwise, it's like like, they're gamifying the disarming people more. Yeah, I guess I could kind of see you using slow motion in order to like uh, make a like a wall jump slightly easier. Uh, but even then, the controls on or the, the the timings on those are usually so tight that like you don't. There's never a time when you're like waiting for the right moment. You just do it immediately. Yeah, especially since in platforming challenges, in a, when you're platforming as a from the first person perspective, there's no like instant visual cue that really makes it certain to you that like oh now's the time. Uh, yeah, yeah. And additionally, when you're especially. I would almost say exclusively in a first-person game that, like, change in, mo- like, in the way that you're perceiving it, like, you're not actually moving slower geographically, uh, but, like, that's way more disorienting than it is helpful most of the time. Agreed. Especially since I feel like I never had as much fine control over when and how much slow-mo was going on. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I would engage the slow-mo and then just, like, annoyingly be in molasses for, like, two seconds longer than I wanted to be before right. I could start playing the fast-paced, awesome action game again. Or you press the slow-mo button to disarm a guy and then you stare at him while he just shoots you in the face and never goes into the attack yeah. animation. Mm-hmm. So you die even slower and more <laughs> embarrassingly. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, it, to go back on it not really having a lot of utility outside of the parries, like, it, the further accent, you can't even use it in times when you would expect it that I would be helpful, like, to use it nailing the precise time of something like one of those backwards jumps. Mm-hmm. You can't even do it for the most basic jumps because you can't see your own feet. Which well, is you easy. can. Well, if you look straight down. Yeah. But you, you can't see it in motion when you're trying to do cool things. So you can't, like, track the point where, like, now is the last possible moment to jump. Right. Uh, which is also, since we haven't brought that up yet, I think to me the coolest accomplishment mechanically of what this game has done is that it has taken first-person platforming, a thing that's like a meme and how bad it is normally, and based an entire video game around making it good. Yeah. Like, I can only imagine how many, like, 
for lack of a better phrase, tiny cheats must exist under the hood to keep you from feeling like the game is screwing you at last second jumps off of the buildings. Yeah, it's. I think it's called input assist is what, like, the technical term for it is. But, mm-hmm. like, if you hit the button, like, a second too soon or too late, it just gives it to you. <laughs> yeah, because it's really difficult to sort of um, make the... Uh, make it evident like exactly how far you're supposed to go and your perspective's constantly changing. I feel like the speed probably helps as well. Like, you, you, you don't... The game does not even let you, like, get comfortable, like, scooting up to the edge and, like, trying to be over-precise about it. Like, you're just moving fast the whole time and you kind of get a feel for it rather than, like taking your time and like looking for cues and whatever yeah that's a good point that was also the uh this is why i'm staring at my phone like an idiot right now (laughs) uh yeah okay i've checked to make sure the developer was not somebody i knew um because the the opposite problem is i played a game uh and this is this was kind of like final thoughts territory for me but that's fine i'm sure that i can rearrange that later uh but i actually like I love first-person platforming. I think it's, like, one of the, like, untapped great genres that that could exist uh, that I feel like mostly just gets fucked up and now people hate it and nobody will take a chance on it anymore. But there's a game that I played a while ago called Dead Core, which is basically the exact, like, all of the problems that first-person platforming could have, it has. It still manages to be, like, a kind of fun game, but it's exactly those things, because Dead Core is even way faster than Mirror's Edge is. But when you, like, you have no perspective as to, like, whether your jumps are going to work or not, unless you're being, like, pixel perfect with it. And it's kind of upsetting, I guess. Yeah. It made me think of uh, Metroid Prime a few times while I was playing this. Like, remember the platforming in that? Like, what Samus's jump is so floaty, it doesn't matter a lot of the time. Right. But, uh, like, early on in that game, like, there were parts where, like, I would, like, jump up to a ledge and then, like, have to, like, look down and make sure I was, like, <laughs> all the way over to the edge before I tried the jump right. over. Well, and that's the thing. Like, in Mirrors, in the comparison there, I think, is really important because... Mirror's Edge is a game that's about platforming and is a platformer and you jump from thing to thing and your jump is governed by, like, the video game version of what real physics are like. And because of that, the platforming feels satisfying. Metroid's platforming does not feel satisfying. It just feels like regular traversal because all you're doing is just jumping from... Like, you you never, like, get through a white-knuckled platforming section mm-hmm. in this action-packed... Right, it's just, like, an obstacle. Yeah, it's just a thing that you jump over most of the time. Uh, not to shit on Metroid Prime, obviously, just, like, that's not what it's about. Yeah. Um, so, like, even things that you can do to fix, quote-unquote, uh, first-person platforming just don't work to make the game feel good. Mm-hmm. I had a thing, but I think my phone's dead, so that's bad. <laughs> oh. Well, since we just got done about talking about how the game makes you feel good, do you want to talk about how the game makes you feel bored? <laughs> By uh, the, the story? Yeah, the narrative. <laughs> okay, that's what you mean. I yeah. touched on this a little bit uh, when I completely shit on the like thematics of the game. Yeah. We were talking about the setting at the time, but, but considering how much... 
the like narrative of the game relies on the setting. It, it most of the things that I said there kind of go hand in hand here. You don't you don't you feel like you're in a really cool stylized environment of a rooftop, not in like dystopian town. Yeah, and not only that. Well, it, just to expand on that briefly before we go any further. Uh, like, if I ask you to think about Mirror's Edge, like, paint the scene. Like, what are you seeing? A uh, white rooftop with red objects on it. Yeah, basically, exactly. Like, a, like, a, like a, 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 the edge of a rooftop with a red plank with another rooftop over there. And you're like, I'm going <laughs> to jump between that. Yes, that's and what I think. I feel like that is so much the game's red aesthetic strength. And, like, what it seems like the plot is even setting up for is to be, like, you spend your whole time, like, doing moving between buildings in the way that is you're least likely to be seen on the rooftops of the buildings in the cool city that we spent a lot of time on. But really, what Mirror's Edge is is, like, three levels on rooftops and then a lot of hallways and, like, cramped corridors... And while I think that the platforming is equally, like, tight in both of those scenarios, it just seems so weird that they built the whole game on that, like, stark white aesthetic, and then we're like, but now, climb on this planter and into a vent. <laughs> yeah, I like the variety. Like, I gen- I'm like that. I generally yeah. appreciate variety in a game. But uh, I-, I agree that there could have been more, like, outdoor rooftop sections and i was like kind of surprised there isn't like a escape from this place under a time limit mission is there not like explicitly yeah i was like expecting it the whole time like oh this place is flooding gotta get out in time (laughs) or whatever you know it's collapsing yeah that never happened that seems like a missed opportunity there was a a couple of chases. Yeah. yeah. I think the well, chase... Was like, I thought those kinds of things were really enjoyable. Your countdown doesn't always have to be cops. True, true. It can yeah. be other things than like, cops. Like different cops. <laughs> yeah, like parkour Like cops. parkour cops. Yeah, wouldn't it be cool? And they're like... Because I think that the most explicit that the, that the like countdown timer ever gets in this game is the time when you stumble onto the... Uh, Project Icarus training grounds, uh, and like then have to leave the building. Oh, with the SWAT team yeah. shows up. Yeah, well, it's when the SWAT team shows up, and then all of the parkour cops show up, and you have to do that obstacle course and get out. And for the record, since we're now gonna talk, well, I don't know, what we're gonna fucking talk about because we all <laughs> seem very dismissive of the narrative, which is fair. I'd like to point out that I had to look up the narrative earlier today and reread the story, and I've played this game four times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know that her sister was framed for murdering a guy. Correct. Kate was I don't framed remember, for... like, what else happened. Yeah. <laughs> There's the guy in the leather jacket with the blue stripe who is an asshole. Yeah, but he's, like, a good guy in the end. Yeah. There was a Maybe. like a, a thing. I thought it <laughs> Isn't was. Isn't he on the rooftop at the end, threatening to shoot? Oh yeah, sister. he's that guy. <laughs> fuck this game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I love this game, but fuck this narrative. Uh, yeah, and there's just like because they introduced this thing where it's like this guy Pope, like Robert Pope, I think is his name. Probably is like running for mayor. And they're like, he seems, and you kind of get the impression that like everyone wants him to be mayor because he's like a cool guy, unlike Paul. Like a figurehead, right? Kind of a guy. And then he gets gunned down, and your sister gets framed for it. And then like I just, 
like I, <laughs> at that point I just like lost everything. Yeah. Some kind of everyone seemed to stop caring. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what you're doing in the game has absolutely no connection with how the narrative progresses. Everything that you're doing is escaping the consequences of someone else's voiceover. Right. Yeah. And I love the game's insistence on pushing Cell as, like, a believable character. When, like, every scene that she's in, she seems like a... Like, like a chat bot or something. Oh, the blonde chick? Yeah. Yeah, like, I didn't even remember her name. Yeah, she's kind of... Like, she set up... She just gives you the tutorial at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then she's the, bo- the that weird boss fight yeah. with the hockey mask. Because she like, betrayed you. What the fuck were the implications of that? She right. betrayed me? I, I don't even fucking remember. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> and there's, what like, happened to her after that fight? She never showed up again. Like, <laughs> well, She didn't show up before. She, like, she did the training and then there's one cut she scene shot you a few guys, Mark. like you that's why you knew <laughs> there were a couple of missions that would end where like you had like a target and like you would like get to them and then like from like another rooftop over there right yeah she like snipes him and then you're like who's that and you gotta chase him down and then right fighter and then it's her oh my god yeah and, and then she... it's just like oh get that out of here yeah I just whatever the like uh, the one of the cartoon cutscenes uh, near the beginning of the game is like so emblematic of that character for me, where she says like literally nothing the whole time, and then just does finger guns and goes like, and that's it. <laughs> I was like, that's about how I remember this character, and then she turns out to be like the big betrayal, even though you pretty much forget that she's there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the cell shade cutscenes, opinions on that? Uh, what was IGN's opinion on that? Oh, they, they looked like rejected insurance commercials. <laughs> Wait, I think it's really harsh. Yeah, that's seven. Um, I agree. I think it's underdeveloped a little bit, uh, but I do like it a lot. Like it, 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 I feel like the quality should be higher for like the the money behind this game. Yeah. But I do like the style just in general I and mean, especially love it on the loading screens where it's just silhouettes of her like disarming a dude mm-hmm. yeah that's good that's super great what i feel like because a lot of people really made fun of these cutscenes, mm-hmm. and i really really like what they were going for with the cutscenes, mm-hmm. and that a lot of people are misattributing a problem with the animation in the cutscenes with a problem with the visual aesthetic and style. I think visually it looks cool, but I think the problem with those cutscenes is that the way that the characters move is weird and ghostly yeah. and off-putting. The, yeah, the animation is cheaper than it should be. Yes. And that's all that you would need to do to correct those scenes, to just make the cool cel-shaded people move like people and not like spirits of a kingdom long dead. Yeah. I, I actually kind of wish the game, like the character models in-game, looked a bit closer to the their it, like cartoon illustrated versions. Yeah. They look weirdly realistic. Zooming out at the end after you rescue her on the from the plane thing, mm-hmm. really, it's like the last. I didn't want the last shot of our heroine to be that model. Yeah, she looked cooler in my head than that. Well, now that we have that out of the way, I thought the the cutscenes were really bad and kind of a waste of time for the <laughs> most part. Like I felt like both the the like the 
it the 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 plot that was delivered in this game that was essential to the story was never delivered in those cutscenes, and they were they looked terrible. I hated the animations and the visual style, oh. and I just and like I, the voice acting wasn't great. The characters were not memorable enough to put into movie scenes, and I thought it looked like poop, so I skipped them every time. <laughs> So that those were my, was my thoughts on the cuts. <laughs> <laughs> Great game, bad cuts. Yep, it does uh, kind of seem like it came from an era where the in-engine cutscene was like in vogue, like where like it was just starting to become like a common thing. Right, and it does seem a little weird that they went like the other route. And get where, with like do they do like two D animated cutscenes? Well, that might be another reason why a lot of people don't like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because we had this discussion on the uh, the Catherine uh, episode, which came out in like a similar time frame. I'm not a hundred percent sure what year, um, but it did the same like but like for weird versions of in engine visuals and like the anime drawing style and i feel like they did a much better job of meshing the two things yeah. in a way that seemed tonally consistent i agree yeah yeah and it's um, cuz yeah like the in game character models in Catherine were like when they were being modeled they considered the anime art style and right. made decisions based around that whereas this game seemed like it did not do that i think it was just clearly the way. other way around they made the game and then they were like how we let's do the cutscenes oh no we didn't do any cutscenes and then they rushed out the like the, mm. that's why the animation is is worse than the the visuals right no one no one does it things in concrete steps like that but like a lot of huge publisher created releases uh it feels like a lot of elements of this game were compartmentalized from other elements of this game during design and development and no one communicated effectively to anyone else how hard they were pushing the visual aesthetic in the one cutscene right. and what the assets were going to look like in order to meet graphical demand in 2009, which back then was still kind of a thing, barely. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, it, the way that they styled this game visually, like, in-engine, looks really good. Still looks good now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like, I don't know how, like... We're not. We haven't reached quantum computing yet, but I feel like it would be difficult to do this style in a way that's like that resonates better because it's it's whole. It has this like contrasting thing that that's really the important element of it is just like the color, and so just having like a few more like layers of texture on like the concrete blocks you're jumping over doesn't really add that much to it. We're approaching quantum computing and VR at the same time. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So now we can do uh, Mirror's Edge where you will vomit even more. <laughs> you will vomit quantumly? That's yeah. Quantum vomiting. Yeah. In, in different universes, your vomit won't be spread across yeah. the particles. Ugh. That's what dark matter is. It's all just vomit from other universes. Oh well, yeah, of and people playing Mirror's Edge and VR. They bled into the time dimension and threw it back up throughout history. And that's where the dark matter comes from. Mm-hmm. I can't wait until they make the dark matter engine Mirror's Edge. <laughs> Unified theory right here on the No Clip podcast. All right. So, um since we'll never be allowed to speak again after this, <laughs> uh do we have final thoughts? <laughs> 
Uh, before that, sure. uh, I kind of wanted to, I don't know if you guys drew comparisons like this uh, yourselves, but I wanted to compare this game to Portal. Okay. Real quick. I uh, certainly didn't, but I think that... Visually, this came out after Portal, right? Like, yeah, I'm not Portal totally was... like misremembering or no, mistimelining this. Yeah, I, I think Portal was part of the 2007 Nirvana. <laughs> Is that what we're calling That's it? That's what I call it. I don't know. Do you want to? Uh, I think you're correct. It I'm was not... in that era for sure. I'm not forcing language on you people. I, I think Mirror's Edge was uh, like two years before Portal 2, though. Yeah, because this almost feels like an answer to Portal in the sense that, like, I feel like EA saw Portal and the success that it had, and they were like, all right, is it possible that we can get, like, a first-person puzzle platformer that's, like, uh, like the unique gameplay hook? And you know what I mean? It was, like, the, uh, the... The opposite, like the yin and yang, where Portal is mostly puzzle with a little platforming. This is mostly platforming with a little bit of puzzles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say I can see the comparison being made. Unfortunately, Portal was released in October of two thousand seven, which is actually after this game was announced. Mm. So we knew that it was a thing that was real. Okay. So. Uh, likely not out. an actual answer, unless there were just people who knew. Because well, Portal would have been announced. But I yeah. guess it, it was kind of a surprise hit. I don't know how the industry works with how information <laughs> goes back and forth. Yeah, it just, that stood out, or like that just kept coming to my mind. Right. And obviously announced does not mean finished, so right. like they could have obviously corrected for that. Mm-hmm. Much like we speculated Resident Evil did when <laughs> right. to react to PT. But yeah, that's all. Alright. So now that we've snuck in some few words before we're never going to be allowed to talk again... Do we have final thoughts? This game feels like a casualty a little bit. Uh, if I hated capitalism, I would this seems like a, a it seems like a target for people who don't like capitalism to point to for what was done to Mirror's Edge. Because in all of its incarnations, it seems like there is a kernel here that's like real pretty and nice that we wish could like blossom up into a delicious popcorn. But instead, they, like, put it in jello for some reason. And now it's going to, like, wither and die on the vine. Uh, okay, you've officially mixed too many <laughs> metaphors. Yeah. He's in the jello, but on the vine. Yeah, the jello I was cool with. I was going to accept it. And then you got too withered on the vine, which is not a thing that corn does, mm-hmm. nor is it a thing that <laughs> jello does. And so we've introduced a third new element. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna get broader here. And this is, I'm going to take a very firm on stance on this. Okay. <laughs> It is not my responsibility to you, Chad Rutherman, uh-huh. to build my metaphors <laughs> in such a way that they're all consistent with one another. No, it's your responsibility to society to do <laughs> no, that. No, no. This is what it's I am It's your responsibility denying. to make sense while you're talking. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> each metaphor, each individual metaphor... Is itself part of a larger metaphor. No, no, no. <laughs> 
I am a radical <laughs> metaphor individualist. Each metaphor expresses the thought and feeling that it's supposed to individually. When I say withered on the vine, uh -huh. you know what that means. Yeah. I don't need the rest of my sentence to be about grapes for that part to make sense. Mm, I don't know. It sounds like BS. <laughs> well, it's just because you set it up so strongly with the contrasting food metaphors. Mm -hmm. Because, I, okay, so the the kernel, the unpopped kernel yeah, is, 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 a, is a metaphor. Yes. The putting the unpopped kernel in jello mm -hmm. is it, now a new metaphor. It makes it nasty and disgusting. Right, and makes no sense. But the kernel is still there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm saying that not that the metaphor doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I'm still tracking at this Correct, point. Correct, right. Because the thing that didn't make sense was putting gun controls and pipes and lots of things that stop your momentum in a game about momentum. Right. That is the jello surrounding the kernel. The kernel, momentum. right, that could blossom, as you said, strangely <laughs> yeah. also, into a popcorn. Yeah, a Popcorn. It's, it's a popcorn kernel that right. you know poofs out. Correct. And then <laughs> here we go because your gelatin, which is not is is by nature amorphous, <laughs> withers on the vine. So now we're taking this thing, which is mirror's edge, which represents mirror's edge. Yeah. And you're then putting it into a new metaphor where mirror's edge a Popcorn kernel in <laughs> gelatin is now also, in this metaphor, a grape on a vine. No, no, no. It's, it's gelatin on a vine. <laughs> it's a gelatin kernel on Oh, vine. you're not even using the metaphor in the way that it was intended. You're adopting the vine part. <laughs> Yeah. And then putting a thing that makes no sense to be on a vine in it. Things, A, two things. A... Things other than grapes exist on vines. But uh, not jello or corn. Yeah. And B, I'd like to reiterate my, reiterate my earlier point of fuck you. Each <laughs> individual metaphor expresses the thought that it's supposed to express. Mm, okay, but does the kelp field <laughs> represent the jello? Does the, or does it represent Reddit? <laughs> <laughs> That's my final thoughts. <laughs> All right. I feel like I have a responsibility now to like step up the wordplay game just to like back up that conversation. <laughs> I was, I'm just expecting you to start rapping immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to just start over with the final thoughts. Um, Andy, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, yeah. I think I engaged with this game in the way that, like, it was intended, like, pretty much just purely mechanically, and yeah. also I like the uh, the art direction. But, like, yeah, I do wish there was, like, a better story. I wish that, like, a lot of, I echo a lot of what JJ said. Like, it's a shame that, like, this didn't get more time or, you know, more attention or, like... Where it needed it, and like mm. all its like weak spots, like it should have been fleshed out a bit more. They should have spent more time on like the Jello kernel vine to really. <laughs> yeah, should they should have let it ripen on the the vine on the Jello vine? Yeah, on, in the desert heat where it, where it will pop. Does the kernel show up on the vine, <laughs> and then they put Jello around it, and then it withered? 
No. They it's make the, the jello kernel. around the kernels. Yeah. Yes. Is it a vine that grows kernels? It's, it's a vine that grows kernels that grow jello. Or. What, the kernel? A... Well, then it's a natural extension of the game. Wait, no. Your metaphor a... falls apart. No, no, it's no. A Checkmate. Vine, it's a vine that grows jello off of it, and then they stick the kernels into the jello. Yeah. So they take a good thing and put it somewhere where it could wither. Yeah, they take a bunch yeah. of corn kernel plant vines and they push them into jello. In the way, like, in, as if you were making plastic explosives, they like put the the wire into the adhesive. Chad, do you have final thoughts? Uh, see, I kind of wanted to use the final thoughts thing here as a soapbox, so I'm going to. Uh, but it's it's now quite short. I think basically, I feel like first person platformers have so much potential to be, like, one of the more engaging versions of a platformer. And it's like it's never really given a full chance. And Mirror's Edge is such the the poster child for this genre. And it just kind of, I don't know, it bums me out a little bit. Uh, I was trying, like, desperately to figure out what the name of this game was that I played. Uh, not too long ago, it was like a literally a ninety nine cent game. That took all of twenty minutes to complete, like in its entirety. Um, that is in, is itself a first person platformer with very simple visuals, and it was like the most relaxing and like enjoyable experience of like that month of my life, basically. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, somewhere out there, there's a team that can make a platformer that feels fast and satisfying like Mirror's Edge and not bogged down with garbage. Uh, but it just, as far as I can tell, just doesn't exist yet. So here's to hoping that eventually that comes around. Mm -hmm. For me and no one else. I'm selfish. <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Nier Automata, or Automata, or Automata. It's mine, yeah. I say Automata, Good. and I know that you hate that. Uh, it was off-putting to me originally, but everyone I've ever heard say it out loud has also said it that way, so now I'm converted. <laughs> okay. Good, alright. First problem this. solved. Yeah, because yeah. that was going to be like the opening conversation on that mm. episode. Yeah. Uh, I mean, both make sense, so whatever. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, until that time, you can get a hold of us uh, on our website at noclippodcast.com or splattershot.pro. Uh, you can find our email address, links to Twitter, YouTube. Uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes, and only a five-star review. You heard me. Uh, <laughs> uh Otherwise, you know, hey, thanks for listening. Still don't have a, a line for the end of the podcast. It's bad. I don't think it's really possible to make a good line for the end of a podcast. Uh... That's why everyone uses music, is because it evokes a feeling without making you feel like you're some kind of weird... Robot, strangely thematically consistent <laughs> with, with next new, week's yeah. Game. yeah. <laughs> Commencing ending of podcast. I guess. <laughs> podcast terminated. <laughs> Initializing two week podcast break period. <laughs> Commencing break. Putting podcasts into cryo sleep. <laughs> freezing sequence initiated. Commencing freezing. And the podcast screams at its end. <laughs>
I have to podcast. I have no mouth, but I must, must podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh.